just great for, for people to hear other stories. It's encouraging. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's, a real, it's a real positive thing, I feel. And we just thought, actually, let's hear stories every month. Um, so as soon as Matthew came in through the door, um, I kind of dived on him and said, would you mind doing February for us? And he was like, yeah, because <laughs> he didn't really have much of a choice. Um, and just so you know, next month we have Chris Duffett coming in to speak to us. <laughs> Deb, Deb's excited. <laughs> um, but today we have Matthew, and we're really excited that you're here with us, for starters. Moved all the way from Wales to be with us. And, um, and we're, yeah, so thank you for accepting the job as our new minister. <laughs> um, and we hope you are with us for many, many years. Okay, so I'll hand over to you. Thank you very much. Well, um, good evening. I, I'm usually a very confident speaker, but doing this sort of thing is um, it's always quite vulnerable, really, sharing your story. I was saying to someone before the, um, the service, so I'm going to sit down, <laughs> so I don't think I can juggle everything standing up. Um, I guess I was reminded the other day that, you know, we're all on spiritual journeys, um, and... It's, not, it's often not the case that, you know, everything starts and stops when you sort of pray a prayer and become a Christian, but there are things in, in our lives that lead up to it. So when I was thinking about that, I was thinking back to my childhood um, as a sort of young five or six-year-old, and I was living in Swansea. And um, I remember going to this wonderfully candlelit church, and I think it was it wasn't Midnight Mass, but it, it, was, it was a carol service, and, and I remember just thinking about the different feeling that there was in the building. Um, and that's, that's actually one of my earliest memories is of church. And yet as a family, um, we, we didn't go to church. I mean, sometimes we didn't even go to church once a year. Um, so growing up, I wasn't really um, a Christian. I'd always put down C of E um, on the school forms and on the medical forms because that's, that's what you do. The ironic thing about that is, is that I'm a proud Welshman and I've lived most of my life in Wales. And so to put down Church of England on a form, you know, I didn't think about that till the other day. But, um, but that, there's, there's, there's comedy in that. Um, but yeah, those early experiences, I always had this sense of, of God before I knew who he was or, or what he was about or, or how um, he might be relevant to my life. I just had this sense that, that there was something else out there. Um, and I wouldn't have called myself... Well, I, I perhaps would have called myself a Christian, but, you know, it didn't really impact my life at all. And then suddenly, um, I was doing my A-levels, and I just started um, at sick form, and I was doing an A-level in RS. And we were studying John's Gospel and Christian Ethics. And I was just kind of aware of this nagging thought inside my head that I, I didn't just want it to be an academic exercise you know, I, I didn't just want it to be about learning about Christianity. I actually wanted to, to experience it, I guess. Um, and so on a Saturday afternoon, I, um, it was just a regular Saturday, I just picked up the yellow pages and found the sort of address of the local church. And, and I went down there the next day. And, and I always remember walking into my first sort of regular church service because at the front of this traditional Anglican church was this giant inflatable banana you know, that's not an image you're going to lose, really, is it? Um, but, but there was this giant inflatable banana up the front. And some of you have probably guessed, you know, it was the end of a, a week-long holiday club uh, for kids um, at the church. 
and, um, and it was called the Going Bananas Holiday Club. But in that place, I sort of found a sense of community. I wouldn't say that, that I knew Jesus um, there yet, but, but I was beginning to find the warmth of a Christian community, and, and, and I was hooked. I kept on going, and I, I got confirmed, and, and I was one of those sort of altar servers who wears you know, the white, the white um, thing. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you, Lee. Yeah, bless you. Um, and, and I carried on from there. And then I went to university and a friend who was a Christian invited me down to um, the church on the seafront in Aberystwyth where I read economics. And I remember going down to this church one Sunday morning thinking this is not what you do as a student, get out to bed on a Sunday morning. Um, but I was out of bed and I went to this church and I walked in and, and it was full of people and it was full of life. And there were people of my own age there. In fact, there were lots of people my own age there. Uh, and the music was contemporary and, and the preaching was, was relevant um, to where I was. And, and I began to realize that there's more to just believe in that there is a God. Um, and that actually, you know, there's a God that we can know and who can shape our lives and who we can in turn live for. Um, and that was quite a revelation to me. And, and I, I got more curious and had more questions. And so I, I did an Alpha course at, at the church and, and became a Christian. And, and from that point on, really, um, I sort of embraced both the certainty that Jesus was my savior, uh, but also doubts, um, because I think it's important that, that we accept that to live a Christian life is to embrace both the certainties of our faith, but also to be able to, to express doubts and to hold those doubts before God. Um, because you know, I've never met a Christian yet um, who doesn't have any doubts or doesn't have any struggles with different par- parts of faith or, or the Bible or, 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 our, or our understanding of who God is and, and what he's about. Um, and I think it's okay. Um, at least I hope it's okay. Because I still have doubts, not about God, but just, you know, I'm still working through a number of things, and, and I think that's okay. So I threw myself into, into the church's youth work um, and, and got stuck into that uh, and, and had a great time. I was really, really enjoying church. And then towards the end of the first year, um, it was the Easter break, and my, my family and I were on holiday, I think in Cheltenham, and... And I, I became quite ill. Um, I, had, um, I had a searing headache um, that kept me up in the middle of the night, and I just couldn't ignore it. And we came home the next day, and I progressively got worse, um, and I was struggling to sort of keep my eyes open and so on. And I went up to, up to my room in the evening, and, and I collapsed. And um, the next thing I knew was waking up about... I think it was about um, a week later, four, four or five days later, because um, I'd had meningitis. And, and I was waking up after hallucinating because I was sedated um, in intensive care of all these wires coming out of me, which is a very, very strange experience. And I, I pray that none of you have it. Um, and then I had to spend the next three weeks in, in hospital and just come into terms with, with what had happened. And... And, and I was asking big questions of God at that stage, you know, and, and of, you know, why? 
um, but also thanking God that he brought me through, um, you know, a terrible thing. And actually, there's a funny story in the midst of that. I didn't realize after three weeks of being in a hospital bed that, that I hadn't walked for about four weeks by this point, um, and I hadn't used my legs. So I decided one day that I was bored of just staying in this hospital bed, and I thought, right, I'll just get out and, and, and have a walk. <laughs> I mean, the next thing I knew, I was reaching for that red call button because uh, uh, I was on the floor. And um, there was a good number of nurses who got a good laugh out of that. Um, so, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it forced me to ask big questions of, of my faith. Uh, and I found myself thinking that there must be something more to life than the aspirations I'd had of my life to date if that makes sense. You know, um, my aspirations, by the way, were to make as much money as possible. I mean, to put it simply, I, I had chosen to do economics at university, not because I had any great passion for economics, but because it was a route into banking um, and, and making a lot of money. Um, and that was pretty much my reason for choosing that. Um, but I suppose becoming a Christian and then having that episode with the meningitis sort of made me think about what my aspirations in life were, um, and just this feeling that there's a reason I'm still here. And to this day, actually, one of the hardest things um, that still gets me is, is when I read about people who don't quite make it, who don't make it with meningitis. And, I, and that's, that's a very difficult thing to, to, to wrestle with. Um, so I wanted to share tonight a scripture with you that has been with me for, for a long time. It's one of my favorite Bible passages because I think throughout the whole, of, um, the whole of my Christian journey, really, I've been aware of God supporting me, sometimes stronger than others, but, but always there. Um, it's a passage from Isaiah 40, um, and it goes like this. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, he does not faint or grow weary. His, wis his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint." Amen. So after leaving university, I became a youth worker for a church which was reasonably close to, to Reading, and I began in ministry. Um, and it was during that time that I just felt that God was calling me to something more um, than, than being a youth worker, um, which I have to confess scared the living daylights out of me. Um, and my youth work job came to an end, and I still had this sense of call. Um, but I guess at that stage, I, I was too uncertain, really, and trying to resist. So I, I went into um, business banking, but not the highly profitable side of business banking, just before you think I've done a U-turn on what I said earlier. Um, and I really enjoyed it, but I, I was aware of that nagging sense in my mind that, that God was calling me to something more um, and to ordained life. And can I tell you something, not as a friend, but as, as, um, not as a minister, but as a friend and a fellow Christian, you won't get anywhere trying to ignore God when he has a nagging call on your life. You can try, and I tried, 
um, and I really tried hard. Um, but if he has a call on your life, um, and he will, um, and he wants you to do something, then it's best off just giving in early, um, because you'll save yourselves a lot of wrangling and soul-searching. Um, so I, um, I went to theological college after getting through selection, and um, that's where I met my wife, Sarah. Um, so there was great purpose in going to Vicar Factory for that alone. Um, so, uh, and we actually got married during, during my time in theological college. You know, there's actually a rule in the Anglican Church um, that you have to get your bishop's permission to marry if you're um, what they call an ordinand, a trainee vicar. Um, so, um, you know, I went up to the bishop uh, and I said, <laughs> it was a very awkward conversation <laughs> for both of us. I've met this woman. <laughs> you could see his face start to <laughs> go... You know, and, um, and I really like her. <laughs> uh, my face was going. And, um, and, and we'd like to get married. Uh, and um, so I've come to say, is, is that okay? Because I think I'm supposed to ask you. And he said, yes, you are, but that's fine, you know. And, and the conversation was brought to a swift conclusion. Uh, Sarah and I got married um, eight months later in Flandaf Cathedral. Actually, there's another funny story while I'm on it. There was a particularly large um, verger in the cathedral in Llandaff, um, who always walked in front of the bride as they came into the, as they came into the church. And, um, and I was standing there on my wedding day at the front of the church, um, waiting, and the, the bridal march um, got gathered up, and the organ started, and the doors opened, and, and in walked Ian, this large verger. And, the, and I couldn't see anything behind Ian, and for a second, I thought, oh, my word, there's been a horrendous mistake here. Um, but luckily, Sarah was just behind him. And if you've seen my wife, you know, she's five foot two. It can easily happen, uh, particularly if the guy in front is tall. Um, but we got married, and, um, and a year later, I, I got ordained. And, um, and yeah, my, my ordained ministry started um, in Cowbridge in South Wales, uh, which is a very, very affluent area. And then it went right down to the Sandfields estate, where I've just joined you from weeks ago, uh, which is a very deprived council estate. Um, and, and now I'm, I'm delighted to be here in Camborne. But can I, can I share with you that I've actually always had a frustration with the church, um, and I'm sure I'm not alone in experiencing this. Um, and I think it's born out of um, that kind of teacher-like feeling that, that you want your pupils to fulfill their potential. It's the same with parents, I guess. Um, but I have that frustration with the church that so often, you know, our, our focus can be in the wrong place and we don't fulfill our potential in Christ. Uh, and so I spend a lot of time with this, what I consider righteous frustration um, that that the church can be so much more because in a completely non-cliched way, and I know this is a cliche, um, I have this drive in belief that, that the local church really is the hope of the world. Um, and I don't say that glibly at all. I really believe it because, you know, if you go back in history and you think that education, healthcare, and welfare all started with, with the Christian church, um, the church has such a place in society um, and such a potential to fulfill. And, and I'm hugely excited by 
by what we're, we're going to be about in this community and what we're already about in this community. And, yeah. And so throughout my time um, in ministry, um, I've been involved with um, the New Wine Movement, uh, which some of you may, may, be, may be aware of. And through attending their conferences and leadership events and and I helped to run their, their youth and children's ministry for a number of years in Wales. And, and I guess I just found a passionate way of worshipping, which is what we've been doing tonight, really. So, I mean, it's great to be here. Um, but I found this passion for God and this, this way of expressing ourselves um, before God. Um, and my faith became even more alive through that whole time. And whilst I'm not a musician, and I'm, I'm really not, <laughs> um, but whilst I'm not a musician, I've always had songs that just go through my mind and come and stay with me for, for a season and then, and then disappear. And I, I, I remember um, when I was leaving Aberystwyth uh, for the last time, and, um, and I, the church there had been so influential on, on my life and on me coming to faith in Christ. And there's this song, you know, How Good Is the God We Adore. Um, and there's, there's a line in it which goes, I will praise him for all that is past and trust him for all that's to come. And I drove away from Aberystwyth with those, with those words going through my head. Um, but now since coming to Camborne, and actually as I was preparing to come to Camborne, there was, there's another song um, that's just been with me. And it's, it kind of reflects something that God has been doing in my life, which is to say, depend on me in prayer, uh, because without me you can do nothing, but with me you can do everything. Um, and that increasing sense that, that we need to depend on God, um, that we don't need to engineer visions and strategies and plans for the church, but actually what God calls of us more than anything else is to be faithful, uh, and to be faithful to him and his purposes for us. And so the song which you'll have been singing over the last two weeks here in Camborne and it is Bless the Lord, O My Soul. Um, and it's just become an anthem which sings around and around in my head. And it, it, I, for me, it's about surrender. It's about surrendering to God's will and accepting the, our need for, for him in our lives and accepting that every good and perfect gift comes from God. I think that's all I want to share at the moment. So I'm just going to say a prayer for us, and then I think we're going to sing that song um, together. Um, and as you do, just, just, just let God move you and mess you up a bit. Um, let him work in your lives because he loves you, and it's his deepest desire that you grow more and more into his likeness. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for the power of our stories because they all reflect you. And even before we profess the name of Jesus with our lips, you've been working in our lives for years and years and years. Moments which at the time we don't acknowledge to be of you, yet we look back and we see your hand in all things, in different places of our lives. And so I pray for for all the people who are gathered here tonight, Lord, that you would draw them ever closer into your presence, 
pray particularly, Father, for, for people who might be here who are still taking tentative steps, who are asking big questions, who are searching for you, but perhaps don't know how to do so. Father, I pray that by your Spirit, you would come and move amongst us, minister to hearts and minds, that all the barriers and all the things that keep us from you would evaporate and we, your people, would be free to worship and praise your holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul.